Every day across this country and the globe, life-changing ABA services are provided by dedicated professionals known as behavior technicians. This is the Day in the Life series presented by the BT Focus podcast, where we celebrate those stories and professional journeys which enable individuals and families to reach their fullest potential. I am so pleased to announce the launch of our Day in the Life series, and I can't wait for you to listen to just an incredible conversation with a behavior technician named Emily. I'm going to make a pretty bold statement here and say that some of the topics that we touch on in this episode should truly be required listening for new behavior technicians entering the field. We touch on topics that range from the importance of vulnerability as a behavior technician and in how in being vulnerable we can find our true strength. We talk about just the critical importance of self-care. In order to best serve others, we first must take care of ourselves. And finally, we touch on the role of doubt and how sometimes early in our career, that professional doubt that we might experience can actually be the catalyst of some tremendous individual growth. We broke this episode into two parts and part two is just as exceptional. So be sure to tune in. And with that, Enjoy our conversation with Emily. Welcome to the BT Focus podcast dedicated to the behavior technician experience and the delivery of ABA services. Hello and welcome to a very special edition of the BT Focus podcast. I am joined by an exceptional behavior technician today named Emily. Emily, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Brian. Thanks for having me. Oh, my goodness. My pleasure. Well, we are just so happy to have you today, Emily, as we start our Day in the Life series. And I think before we get too much into it, a thank you is in order from us to you, really, because a lot of ways you inspired this series. Can I tell a little story before we begin? Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. So, gosh, maybe about a month or so ago, we got a great email from a new listener who, who essentially said, you know, thanks for the work that you're doing. I just entered the field. Here are a couple ideas I have that I think would be great to be featured on the show. And I'd love to see a day in the life series. And we read all of our feedback. Just disclaimer to anybody out there, btfocus at centuryhealthcare.com. But Emily, thank you for this amazing idea to really just highlight the stories behind the people that are doing the most important work. And we're so excited to be telling your story today. Yeah, thanks. I'm really excited to be here. This series, I was so excited when I saw it launched because going into a career like behavior technician, there are so many things that I feel like we should know beforehand. Um, and so that's why your podcast was such a calling to me because you answered all those questions for me. You prepared me. And so just having something where we're going into, because to be a behavior technician, sometimes it just like catches you by surprise, like it did for you and I. Um, and there's just so many things about it that are so fun to, to know beforehand and so helpful. So yeah, thank you for your content and everything you're doing. Oh, that's amazing to hear. Well, thank you, Emily. And I, 
just maybe one more piece of context, which I think is really incredible. And it's reinforcing for me, I can say, is that you're joining us from another state. You are actually with another provider. And I think that it's just so cool that one, can you maybe share, like, how did you even find the podcast? Like you're brand new in the field, just trying to find as much information as you can. Like when and how did you stumble across us? Yeah, I think it was just a Google search. Um, I looked up, I love listening to podcasts. And I think I just looked up like behavior technician podcasts and you guys were the first one on there. And as I listened to like the first episode and the second episode, I just got stuck in this loop where I was like, this is such amazing information. And I just kept listening and listening. And yeah, so I think it was just a simple Google search. That's awesome. Yeah. I just think it's so cool that you found us and really it just speaks to the broader mission of what we're trying to accomplish through this podcast. And it's for all behavior technicians. And it's like the coolest thing to see where this show is being listened to across different countries. And I think it speaks to the global need for behavior analytic services and the work of behavior technicians. And if I, if we, if our team can help support any behavior technicians out in the field, that's our goal. That's our mission. And so thank you for that. That's super cool to hear. And I completely agree with you. I I think it kind of speaks to just the reality of a behavior technician. You're so busy, right? There's so many things clamoring for your attention and your time and you're working with families. And to me, I know that as I've gotten farther in my field, like I have very little time to stop and watch something, but if I can listen to something on the go, man, I cruise through podcasts. So, all right, Emily. Well, how about we just start at the beginning of your journey in the field as a behavior technician? Let's do a bit of a rewind. When did you know that you wanted to become a behavior technician? And, and maybe what were you doing at the time? And, and how did you come across this field? Yeah, so I just kind of stumbled upon it on accident. I was a nanny beforehand, and I'm going to school for psychology. I was going for child psychology, but now I'm looking more into ABA because it was just like a fun surprise that I stumbled upon this. So I was nannying for about 10 years beforehand, and I really loved working with children, but I was missing that like science aspect of it. And so Being a BT is like the perfect mix of science and being with children. And it was kind of scary at first because I don't have a lot of experience with children on the spectrum. And so going in, there's so many things that when you hang out with a neurotypical child that you don't pay attention to. So it was a really big switch. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's so great. You touched on something that I think speaks to my experience as well. You're coming in from a helping profession background. And I know a lot of our staff have worked previously in caretaker type roles or early childhood development roles. But that science piece, that scientific you know, foundation of our field, I just found that the more questions I had, there were answers to them. And there was just something so fascinating and rewarding about that. The more you sought those answers out, the more that you you learned and that just enriched everything that you do. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like there's so many good pieces to ABA therapy. Even though it is tough work, there are so many cool things throughout the day that it's just amazing. I mean, we have a child who says their first word or a child who does emotion. That's the first time they've done it. And it's just like the biggest small victory there is. And it just makes leaving work every day so rewarding. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think 
we are in a very privileged position where we're providing intensive services. So truly, we're working with families 10, 20, sometimes upwards of 30 or more hours a week. So we can see not only the big changes, the big changes are amazing. Those take time. But really, like you said, those like incremental victories and some profound ones. Like how many people can say, yeah, I helped someone say their first words today. (laughs) It doesn't get better than that. For sure. Yeah, for sure. So those are certainly some of the victories and the really rewarding aspects. But let's go back to your journey. Walk us through the very beginning that, you know, talked about the initial training, a 40-hour training, which is our field standard for initial training at a minimum. But walk us through the first couple of weeks, couple of months in the field. Was that a walk in the park? What was that like? It was definitely not a walk in the park. I went into it. Luckily, with the information that your podcast gave me, I feel like I went in with like more information than others would. But still, I felt like I went in without knowing what is reinforcement. I mean, now I use that probably 100 times a day. Just that small vocab, knowing those things beforehand was one of the things that I found to be tricky to not know. And so the first, honestly, the first two weeks, I was like, I don't know if this is for me. (laughs) Um, I left very hard days after having clients who were just getting into ABA while I was still just getting into ABA. And I left some days thinking like, maybe I'm not cut out for this. Maybe, maybe I just am not supposed to be here. And I would go home and think about it all day and all night. Um, And I would just beat myself up for it because it was a bad feeling to think I can't make these children happy or we can't pair correctly, which pairing is just, you know, getting to know each other. And when I was nannying beforehand, I never had to work to pair. And so going into this experience, I didn't know I had to work for their, you know, their respect and that clinical control um, and not having that right away was just so difficult. And so those days that were really tough, getting over that mountain, one thing that I did was I talked to my coworkers and I just told them, how do you cope with days that are tough? Um, and just being transparent and not going in feeling like I had to be a superhero. And I feel so grateful because my coworkers were so helpful and they still are in giving me that feedback that like that honest raw feedback of some days are hard and when we leave here we just have to have an imaginary bucket to pour everything from the day in and close the lid and go home and live your life and then the next day we can come in with a clean slate and that was just one of the most helpful things for me. Yeah, I I so appreciate your honesty, Emily, because I think that's something that's not said enough. And it's important to have that contrast, right? Like both of us at the beginning, we just are in love with this science, in love with this field, in love with the work that we do, but contrast us with, yeah, in the very beginning, I had days where I doubted it too, right? And I don't think that gets said enough. And it's almost always, (laughs) I'm going to make an inferential leap here. If you're saying that, if you're listening to this, you're a behavior technician and you're having those moments of doubt, to me, that tells me a couple things. One, you have extremely high standards and that is exceptional. And you are in the right field and you care deeply and you are going to do amazing things. Number two, 
we need to be patient, right? We preach this all the time in our work, right? Like progress takes time. We never blame the learner, right? But we're learners in this too. And so I think that if we can be more honest and maybe more vulnerable, to use a, a really important term, and share that, you know, doubts, that was actually part of the process. And in fact, those doubts led me to ask questions that led me to great answers. I just think about like, man, how much more our field can advance because some of our most incredible contributors, I, I fear that if they're not able to connect to a coworker or they're not able to hear from somebody that has more experience, I worry that we might lose people. And to me, that's a road that I don't want to go down. And that's something that I want to help prevent people from getting to. So thank you for sharing that because I, I think I might, might have shared it in the past episodes, but if I had to be totally honest and self-reflective, I think it was probably six months into the field that I felt like truly comfortable. Not that I had all the answers, but I felt very fluent in what I was doing and I knew when to ask questions, but it was not overnight. Yeah, definitely. I think going into this profession, I was kind of forced to go in and think, gosh, I don't have all the answers and I can't pretend like I do because Going into ABA, if you don't understand the reason behind what you're doing or the reason behind a certain action you're taking with the child or a certain thing you're saying with the child, if we don't understand that purpose behind it, we aren't providing services to them as they deserve to get and receive. And so knowing those things is so important. And another thing is just kind of like refilling your cup. I feel like all day we're pouring our cup out to these children that we care so much about. We're pouring that out and so gladly I will pour that cup out. But at the end of the day, I have to refill that cup too because I deserve a full cup as well. And so, yeah, it's just having that good balance of I appreciate and enjoy my work, but I also appreciate and enjoy myself. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's huge. And I think that especially in this past year, year and a half in the pandemic, the topic of self-care, I don't think has ever been more important in tackling burnout, which is really a pandemic of its own account, right? And I think if you find yourself in this field, one, you are by nature a giver, right? You are in the, the field of serving others. And I think for our staff and for you and for I, that's a value that we hold dear to ourselves. But you're exactly right. If we don't balance that with caring for ourselves, we, we can't give from an empty cup. I'll share just a quick story real quick. And I want to hear and how the way you refill your cup. But I had this kind of light bulb moment not too long ago, a couple of weeks ago, where um, you know, I've shared in the podcast, my wife and I have three small children and it was maybe like nine o'clock on a Tuesday, let's say. And, you know, two-year-olds, they don't get the concept really of like <laughs> cleaning up after themselves all the time. They were working on it, but they're not quite there. And I just at this moment, I was looking at my house and looking at my running shoes. I'm like, I have two choices right now. I can go to the gym, which I've sorely neglected for far too long, or I could clean up, but I'm not going to have the energy to do both. And I just heard this voice in my head. It's like, when are you going to start taking at least as good of care of yourself as you are your house? And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to the gym. So I left the stuff. The stuff is going to be there. <laughs> I can clean it up when I get home, but I went to the gym and it was, oh my gosh, it was like the mental release that I needed. Came home and felt great. 
But we need to prioritize ourselves. That's huge. We can give and give all day, but if we're not taking the time to care for ourselves, that only takes us so far. So that's just an example from my experience. But Emily, what are some of the ways that you are able to recharge after a long and stressful day or a long and stressful week? Yeah, first, I appreciate that you chose between the two of them, that you said, I can go to the gym or clean my house, but I don't have the energy to do both. I feel like that was really awesome because in someone's mind who's really busy and always going, it's like, oh, well, I have to do both. I I need to pour my cup out because that's just what I'm used to doing. Um, So one of the ways that I refill my cup, and I kind of learned this from your podcast as well as talking to coworkers, but remembering those little victories and big victories after I leave for the day, small things that are happening. When we're with a child every day, it's easy to overlook their progress and all of the small things that they are like just winning at and they're doing so well and progressing so well. Looking back and assessing that at the end of the day, like what did we accomplish today? And if we didn't accomplish anything, we can be okay with that because we're making progress. Another thing is learning from one of my coworkers is to leave work at the door and pick it up when you come back in the door. Because like I said before, I would come home and think all day, why didn't the child react this way? Or why didn't I react this way? I could have done it 10 times better. Um, And not living in that because it's done. We can't go back and redo it. We can take from it, leave it at the door, and we can come back tomorrow and just try our best. Because even though we're doing really great work, we're not superhumans. We can't know all of the answers right away. And that's okay because we're not supposed to know all the answers. It's kind of a learning process for both us and the children. And I feel like that's what makes it really special and exciting. Yeah, I I think maintaining those appropriate work-life boundaries is a huge thing. And when we don't maintain those, oftentimes I think it comes from a good place for some people where they're so eager to, to help and they're so eager to support that it's easy to see those lines somewhat blurred, but you're exactly right. Those boundaries are key. <laughs> I also think back at what this last year has taught us and the school from home experiment, the work from home experiment. I had a was talking to a coworker who was working remotely and she, she basically said, yeah, I don't work from home. I, I live at my work. And I'm like, Ugh. <laughs> that's so flu, but true. it's a work in yeah. progress, right? But it's, right. it's true. I think you need to be able to mentally, so to speak, figuratively shut the door on it. No one to come back on it because you're right. Our minds are very powerful, but we tend to like to project far in the future or we tend to ruminate in the past. But Emily, there's only one way that we can behave and that's in the present, right? Right. So so yeah, so I think that's a really powerful tool of knowing that I can be more effective if I leave my work at my work. And when I'm home, when I'm with these kids, right, my job is to be 100% dad. And I'm with my wife, my job is to be 100% a supportive spouse. But when we're getting pulled in other directions, that's where it's challenging. So Having those boundaries, I think, is something that it's important to practice, and it's a skill that you develop, right? Wow. Important stuff. This is great. This is the type of stuff that you don't get in a 40-hour training, right? (laughs) No, it's only fair to us as clinicians and to the children as clients that we all refill our cup. And, you know, when I first started two months ago, I had experience with children, but not 
in ABA at all. And I was very eager. I noticed that I was like reading books and I was listening to podcasts, which is all great, but I had to slow down because if I wouldn't have slowed down, I would be at a different job right now. And that would be a huge bummer because I love what I do. So (laughs) it's so important to dive in, but also create those boundaries for yourself and value yourself more than you value work. Yeah, for sure. Balance is everything. And the good news, Emily, is we, you and I, we've got decades worth of <laughs> amazing insight to learn up on, but we need to watch Netflix sometimes and we need to, <laughs> we need to, you know, walk the dog and listen to this podcast, but listen to some good music too, you know, and <laughs> uh, totally balance is the name of the game. And it's something that we often work on with our clients. And, and sometimes I think you and I, when we were talking before, we talk about when we're practicing, we're in the field, sometimes we receive as much as we give, right? And that experience of, wow, like we're talking about teaching flexibility skills, uh, be able to react to changes. But if I stop and think about it, like how many times this week did I really not (laughs) respond great when my schedule got unexpectedly changed or something came up that was not my favorite? So we are all a work in progress, but I, I think you said it best, like, Perfection, while it's a very noble goal to aspire for, we can't be held captive of it. We need to be able to move forward, right? And really to learn from just the work that we do. So awesome. And the reality of it is none of us are perfect and it's not possible for any of us to be perfect. In this line of work, I feel like there's new things to learn every day. And I think that once we get to the point where we think we know everything, that's a bummer because there's so, so much to learn. And I feel like every day I walk out of the doors of my work and I'm like, wow, I am just amazed. I mean, I'm a very competitive person (laughs) and we're teaching, you know, oh, good game and we can move on. That's something that I learned from this job. Like I can say good game and move on and I don't need to be stuck (laughs) in the It really is true. It's a two-way street. I mean, the relationship that you build with the children and just the joy you see in the parents or the caregiver's face when they pick their child up or you leave a session and they say, oh my gosh, he or she told me they needed help. Like I, that is such a big thing for a family who could be struggling with things. Um, you know, it's when you find out your child is on the spectrum, they're it could be such a big shock. Where do I go from here? And to have that support and just see that excitement in their faces and even in the children's faces when they notice like, I did it. It's just so, it's an amazing experience for everyone. And it's rewarding. That's so good. Yeah. So Fred Rogers had this great quote. I'm going to paraphrase. And it, it was essentially find the helpers. There will always be helpers, right? And in and, and this field, we're the helpers. Like, what a privilege. How grateful are we to be able to do what we do and to deliver that hope and deliver that joy to families? It's incredible. It's incredible. Thank you for listening to this Day in the Life series episode of the BT Focus podcast. BT listeners, we want to tell your story as well. If you would be interested in being featured in an upcoming episode, let us know at btfocus at centuriahealthcare.com. 
Until then, we'll see you next time.